Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. going on everybody welcome back to another episode of underground sports philadelphia it's episode number 327 the nfl draft happened this weekend so you know we got a lot to recap there we're recording this on sunday night and uh major league baseball's umpires just decide they want to fucking meddle with everything when it involves the phillies and uh ben simmons just gave us the tip so we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff tonight KB coming at you from Underground Studios and joining me via the voice line, the one and only drunk Chili Rivera, Richie Rivera. What's going on, Kyle? What's up, brother? Uh, we got a lot to get into. Plus, you and I both working on uh, Buna Regional High School's In the Heights. Tickets on sale now. Go get your tickets, the live stream, the in-person, all that good stuff. Allegedly, Daryl Morey's going to be tuning in, so... What what other reason do you need? You could be watching the same musical as Daryl Morey and supporting uh, one hell of a theater department. But before we get started with all the sports content, this podcast would not be possible without our awesome local sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, the homies over at Tomahawk Shades doing the damn thing. Spring is here, summer right around the corner. It is the month of May. Memorial Day is a, a couple weeks away, which is crazy to think about. You got to protect those eyes when you're outside, inside, and everything in between. So go to tomahawkshades.com, pick up a pair of sunglasses, the blue light glasses, everything in between. And when you go to checkout, use our promo code USP to get 25% off your order at checkout. That's tomahawkshades.com, promo code USP for 25% off your entire order from our homies at Tomahawk Shades. Shout out to them for providing a quality product for an affordable price and not gouging you all summer long to make sure those eyes are protected. And Underground Sports Philadelphia is sponsored by Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and they are now available in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Australia, New Zealand, and the European Union. And you guys know we have an exclusive offer for you. Use our code USP to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and join the movement along with the other 2 million men who trust Manscaped. And did you guys know one guy every hour, every day is diagnosed with testicular cancer? So this is a reminder to all the men listening to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Manscaped, in addition to providing the right tools uh, and solutions for safe and easy manscaping has partnered with the testicular cancer society to spread awareness for men's health and early cancer detection together. TCS and manscaped are committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men ages 15 to 35 massive part of our listening demographic and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their, we save balls initiative. 
while you're down there cleaning up your sack, why not go ahead and give them a little investigation for lumps, changes in size, or any pain? And I think we can all agree it's pretty fun playing with your balls anyway. Manscaped recommends you check yourself once a month. And if you do feel any lumps or swelling, give your doctor a call. In addition to checking yourself regularly, you want to make sure your sack is looking fresh and clean with the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Inside the Perfect Package, you'll find products and liquid formulations that have been developed to turn your bathroom into a salon for your balls. All liquid formulations use only the best ingredients, and some of these liquid tools include the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing deodorant for your balls, the Crop Reviver, a spray-on ball toner and refresher, and the Perfect Package 3.0 also includes anti-chafing performance boxers that keep your package cool and feeling fresh. Join the Manscaped movement and start taking care of your balls today and get 20% off and free shipping with code USP at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. So get 20% off and free shipping with our code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with our code USP at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. And our podcast, man, sometimes, you know, a, a game like tonight for the Phils, when the umpires keep interfering, you're probably going to want to pour yourself a glass of stateside urban craft vodka. They're the fastest growing craft spirit in Pennsylvania. They're headquartered in old Kensington, Philadelphia. They're seven times distilled, certified gluten-free. It's blended with electrolytes, making it the first vodka on the market with a mineral composition on the same spectrum of electrolytes found in that sports drink that starts with a G. And it's the first actively hydrating vodka on the market. They've also won awards for best package in the world. So go to statesidevodka.com right now to purchase your vodka and put those one liter bottles into your cart so that you can use our discount code, help us pay some bills, do a little spring cleaning, if you will. And uh, use code USP to get 10% off the one liter bottles of vodka at statesidevodka.com. Must be 21 or older to purchase. And of course, guys, please drink responsibly. Richie, I'm sick and tired of Major League Baseball umpires continuously ruining games for the Phillies over the last week or so, and tonight was no different. Sunday night baseball for the entire world to see, and it always seems like Sunday night baseball involves some controversial play with the Phillies, uh, and I just I can I still can't believe that they disallowed that home run for Reese Hoskins, made it a ground rule double took away a run, the game would have been tied, and the Phillies end up losing to the Mets 8-7. to They lose the series because of bullshit calls, back-to-back nights. I am just sick and tired of umpires like just deciding when they can make ridiculous calls that impact games as dramatically as they have the past couple of nights, and even going back to the St. Louis Cardinals series where Bryce Harper and Didi Gregorius got beamed, and one, the pitcher doesn't get ejected, and two, they issue warnings to the Phillies as if, like, you know, they did anything wrong. No, your player just got hit. Bryce Harper gets hit in the face with a 97-mile-an-hour heater, puts him out for almost the entire weekend. Didi Gregorius gets hit in the kidney, puts him out. He has a kidney disease that he deals with, and that's why he's wearing a mask every time he's out to play. I I just could not believe the, the turn of events that we've had since that game against the Cardinals to the Andrew McCutcheon quote-unquote running out of the baseline nonsense from Saturday night to tonight for the whole world to see. Major League Baseball needs to get their shit together with these umpires because it's getting ridiculous. Yeah, these la- this last week definitely, starting with those Cardinals games and 
remember hearing because I don't really watch as much Phillies as you do. You're a bigger fan than I am in the Philly realm. Uh, Plus you're with, tapped into the Sixers. Definitely. We're going to talk about them soon. Uh, but with hearing, you know, the Bryce Harper issue and luckily him being okay, DD ended up, ended up being okay. And then you're – so them getting screwed over with two hit players – and then, of course, your players are going to get mad because they just beamed them for – it looked like no reason from what I've heard, no reason. Dude, and it, it's not it looked like, like he lost silly. command of his pitches, but, like, at that point, yeah. like, I don't even care if it wasn't intentional. Like, you got to throw that guy out of the game. Yeah, like, something is definitely up if he's – like, obviously something's wrong with your pitcher if he's – whether he's tweaked something or he's like his muscles, you know, if anything, it's a player safety issue, right? Take him out and put a different pitcher in there. Like, but the Phillies with the Cardinals situation, like that's definitely out of hand with, um, the whole, the pitching hit, getting hit by pitches twice, two different players, knock him out for a few games. And luckily again, Bryce is okay. But then you go to this Met series where it was already chippy at the very beginning by our good, good friend Jose Alvarado. I would go to war it, for him. We would, and a four, and we just heard tonight that he got a two game, uh, three game suspension, which is absurd for, for bringing back the two thousand rivalry between the Mets and the Phillies. And you know, he was really high energy that game, and we like that within our Phillies players that have this energy and like to stark up rivalry rivalry especially against the Mets who you know we absolutely hate probably the most in our entire division um but yeah the McCutcheon issue and then getting I believe it was Bryce Harper they got thrown out yesterday yeah Bryce got thrown out wasn't even Bryce, like active for the game Bryce got thrown out and then one of these recent games I think it might have been when they got hit Girardi like, got the tossed. game when Girardi got Girardi got tossed like you're getting our players get tossed, but it's really the other players' issues. Like if it's an error with the pitching at the Cardinals, or it's ridiculous calls in the Mets game tonight. I tuned in because I got the notification because I just watched the Sixers game that it was tied eight to eight. You know, Reese Hoskins hit the homer, and I came. I turned on the channel because I thought you know extra innings. You know, could be good old stuff you know espn prime time mm -hmm. you know mets and phillies you know the good stuff that everybody likes kind of similar to you know the dodgers and padres series that they had a really good game last week on sunday Night baseball and seeing them review it and kind of looking like a home run and i mean you have everybody cheering behind you because obviously they're gonna make it believable that it was a home run but I'm just curious to see what cameras MLB right. looked at because if they're looking at the same cameras that we looked at where you get that front view and it looks like – because the guys, uh, the broadcaster, I don't know if it was A-Rod or the play-by-play -play announcer. Yeah, I'm not sure his name. A-Rod ironically was on that broadcast. He's, he, he was on the broadcast, but I'm not sure if he brought it up or the play-by-play. -play. He said that it had to hit the seats – but if it hit the rail, then it might be a ground rule double or whoever's on base. Like that would have been something that they had to determine. Uh, but I think it's just ridiculous. I think definitely that if they let that home run just slide, it definitely would have been – they would have gotten more ratings. So it would have been extra innings. And, and Bryce like, oh, Harper was game. up to bat the next bat. Yeah. And if 
they definitely if they got that home run, people probably thought that game was over anyway because you know you had seven eight to eight four runs at on the Mets, right? And you're seeing that, and you're like, okay, this game's over, you know, turn it off. But then when people see, oh, it's eight to eight, let me turn this game back on. Mets and Philly fans alike, you know, that kind of ruins it for them because that's an extra ending game that could be really spicy. You can go back and forth or game winners. You just never, I mean, you never know what to expect, especially with this new kind of extra ending style uh, with a person on second. But it definitely is a bad part. Bad call. I've been seeing all these complaints, and it's not even just with the Phillies. It's across the board. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like how the NFL was a few years ago, just calling all these penalties, yep. and it just never stopped. Um, hopefully, it's just a well. We we all hope it's just a phase, and hopefully sooner rather than later that it gets figured out because it is absolutely ridiculous. But and it's one of those things yeah. that, like you said, it, it's not just the Phillies, but like we're getting a massive dose of the nonsense from these umps. But, like, I just don't understand the ego that some of these umpires have that, like, they go into these games thinking that it's, like, all about them. They have to make that call that's going to put them in the spotlight. Like, people are not tuning into the game to watch the umpires. People are not coming to the ballpark to watch the umpires make a call. They're going there to watch their favorite teams play against each other, go head-to-head, and in this case with the Phillies and the Mets, a heated rivalry has been since the jump, since the Mets became a team, And it's Philly, New York. It's going to draw ratings. And then back-to-back nights, these umps fuck up this call to just, like, exponential levels. We haven't even talked really about the McCutcheon thing because tonight was even crazier. But, like, like you said, if they're looking at the same camera angles that everybody else is afforded, if they're throwing it up on the big screen because allegedly that's what the umpires are looking at, how do you have the gall to overturn that there's no way there's no way there's enough conclusive evidence to say that it didn't like go over the rail like it could have bounced off the rail but the way Todd Zalecki who covers the Phillies does a fantastic job for MLB.com tweeted a gif of the thing and you can like click on gifs obviously to slow them down and kind of like do a freeze frame the spot that it lands it's on the rail but it's on like the fan side of the rail And then because of where it hits, it bounces back and makes it look like it comes off the top of the rail. That's a home run. I don't care what you say. Like, anybody else hits that, it's it's considered a home run. It would have been Reese Hoskins' 100th career home run. It would have tied the game. Would have had Bryce Harper up to bat with a chance to win the game. And if it doesn't, it goes to extra innings. Like, the Phillies got cheated out of two wins this weekend. Should have swept the Mets. And sure, you can go and say that, like, they need to play better so it doesn't come down to those moments. But, like, the Phillies did make some horrendous defensive plays tonight. But, like, in a situation like that, the umpires have royally fucked the Phillies for the last two nights. The McCutcheon thing is just, it blows my mind because the stat cast uh, view of his running the base path, he never, like, even veers a bit. He is in a straight line. And he says he claims that he runs out of the baseline. I can understand the argument that Matt Joyce or whoever it was, uh, I think it was Matt Joyce that hit the ball to force the the out at first was out. I can understand that, but Kutch was totally safe at second base. It, it was an unbelievable display of just incompetence by the umpires this weekend. And I don't know what Major League Baseball has to do because you know minor league baseball season starting. Maybe you go soccer route and you relegate umpires if they have these bad calls. Like, 
I, I don't know what there is to do, but like baseball needs to step in and let these umpires know that like it's not about them. Nobody gives a shit about the calls they're making. And if they make bad calls, you're going to have the blow up that they're having now, especially from big market teams like the Phillies, like the Mets, you know, like the Dodgers. If you make these bad calls in big markets, you're going to hear about it and it's not going to go away. Theater can simply be defined as someone performing something for someone else. Theater also refers to the space designated for said performance. The term theater can also describe the process in which live performances are created. Acting, directing, producing, designing, all fall under this umbrella of theater. But to a kid in high school, theater can mean so much more. Join us as we draw back the curtain and reveal what I like to call the magic behind the magic. This is Curtain Talk. It's just, it's just, just a uh, baffling, you know, it's just a baffling scenario. Cause it's like, we love, you know, we love controversial calls, but we'd rather see the controversial calls, you know, come from the players and like come from like what, the impact that they do because, but like the refs, cause it, it happened. I mean, like I just said, it happens in every sport. Like it, like for me, I see a lot of it in basketball where, you have these big primetime games, these show-stopping two heavyweight teams, especially in the NL East, which we know that the NL East is a very competitive division in baseball, even if they're not really playing like that at the moment. But, like, just let them play. Like, the same thing goes for these ML, uh, NBA games, like, where these game, where these teams are trying to fight it out, kind of like similar to like a playoff-style format game, and the reps are calling a play, calling a foul every five seconds. It's just like it's across the board. I don't know what refs nowadays want to think if they want to try to make it their show and try to think that they're getting the ratings for them and trying to get you know prime time, you know, news stories on like Sports Center or whatnot or like the beat shows. It's just ridiculous. Like let the players play. If it looks like a home run, just deem it a home run. You don't have to go review it, whatever. Because, I mean, did the Mets call for the review or did they just go, oh, we're just going to review it on our end? Because it probably bounced back, right? It bounced back on the – Yeah. So it's just so it's just so dumb. Just leave it alone. Make it a very – make it a competitive game because the Mets did, like, have 14 hits in this game compared to eight from the Phillies. Like – if you saw a team come back like that, it's kind of like, it's kind of similar to the Padres Dodgers game. You didn't see this happen with the Padres and Dodgers. Like they they played, they tied it, they went to extra innings, and then luckily the team that was behind ended up winning. So I don't know if refs just hate Philly because this happens with every single team uh, in the city where they give us bad calls, but like it's get it's it's bad. And tonight probably was another you know cake topper for this game. Yeah, and I'm looking now. John Boy just did a breakdown of 
everything. And I think the only person who has benefited from these horrendous umpiring calls is John Boy because of his breakdowns. Uh, so I'm sure he's getting a bazillion views from Philadelphia alone. Um, shout out John Boy. Uh, we'll retweet that onto the the underground Twitter. But I just I I can't deal with like just the poor officiating. The poor umpiring has been abysmal across the board of Major League Baseball this year, and it seems like the Phillies have caught every single <laughs> bad call there could be. I I just need consistency. And like these umps to just like go get cataract surgery or something because they they clearly are seeing different things than what every other human on the planet is seeing, and it has screwed the Phillies out of wins, and now they sit. Let's see here after this game. Uh, it's a game behind now. They're they're a game back. They're in third place behind the Mets and Nationals, who are both at five hundred. It's just so, and that's the annoying part too, is that this game is against the Mets. This is more of what the NL East is going to be. These teams are like so evenly matched. We're just going to beat up on each other all season long. And you just lost another series to the Mets that you should have swept them. But the umpires interfered in two different games now and cost the Phillies two wins. It's ridiculous. It's a game of inches, and Reese Hoskins allegedly missed a home run by an inch, but Ben Simmons got just the tip, Richie. You were watching the Sixers game as I was recording, uh, again, the whole podcast. You texted me, Benjamin fucking Simmons, and I went and, I went and looked. Game-winning tip in, uh, in overtime against the Spurs. Big win for the Sixers, and they're back in first place where they belong. Yeah, definitely where they belong. This game was... Absolutely. I mean, we know that. I mean, I don't know if you were really watching the game as much, but this game, they were up by 17 points at one time. Yep. It was felt like it, it was over. like we were. It looked like we were ready to pack it up because we do have a back to back. Today is Sunday. So Monday we have a game in Chicago. It's the weirdest, um, weirdest scheduling over the next three games. They're in San Antonio, it's, it's, then Chicago, then you go back to Houston. Yeah, I don't know what I mean. I'll. Adam Silver. Thanks, Dave Silver. The entire, yeah, he's screwed us over a lot of things, especially the schedule. But that, that he's not the point of topic. We're talking about Ben Simmons right here. But this game, you know, they're up by 17. You would think, okay, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons starters, you know, get some rest, get get our, uh, our secondary unit, which, by the way, has been playing on a whole different level, like, recently. Because I think finally Doc figured out a rotation that actually works, mm-hmm. and a lot of that has to come with the George with George Hill finally emerging into the roster so to a player that he should be. It's a really interesting stat that I saw right before we started recording that George when George Hill and Dwight Howard are on the court at the same time, their net efficiency is plus twenty one point seven, and I believe when George Hill is off the court. And it's just Dwight. Their his net is like negative two point one seven. It's so fascinating. And the and who I forget who wrote the tweet exactly, but it's so fascinating how the net like the major differences when you get an actual veteran point guard on the floor, especially with a guy with Dwight Howard who who has been in the league for a while. He's thirty five years old, but he hasn't really played with a real point guard in the secondary this year. Mm-hmm. You know when Ben Simmons is on when Ben Simmons is on the floor. 
And then you have, I mean, you do have a Seth Curry who's a point guard, and he does he does great sometimes. But I mean, you have Shake Milton who's actually a shooting guard. I mean, you have Furk who plays the three. Like nobody really plays. And you have Tyrese Maxey who's a rookie. He actually is a shooting guard too. So you never had a real point guard to help facilitate Dwight and even the offense and the secondary as a whole. And ever since he started he started to emerge from his finger injury, which he's actually I'm actually very surprised at how he's played these last recent games. Like seeing how Dwight has played really well defensively, getting boards as he always does, but he's actually racking up points. Either he's dunking, he's doing really good the free throw line recently this last stretch of games. Um, I'm very excited about Dwight. I've always liked Dwight. Everybody now is liking Dwight again because I think for I mean at the beginning you liked Dwight and then there was a stretch where people were like oh my goodness he stinks. There was a moment that he thought he was 2012 Dwight and he was dribbling the ball way too much. (laughs) Yeah, he he was he was acting like he was acting like a point guard. He thought he was a point guard. Um, he did act like he was a point guard, and then he had a backcourt violation because he passed it backwards. He said, oh, George Hill's not here. Don't worry, coach. I got this. Yeah. But um, but the game, it came down really close. You know, the Spurs, I mean, you're playing in San Antonio, and you're playing against Greg Popovich's teams who are no pushover as is, regardless if you have don't have Javante Murray or DeMar DeRozan, who did not play. And, and they're fighting they're for their playoff center. lives. And they're in the tenth spot now because Golden State bumped them a little bit. They're both five hundred. They do have some leeway from getting bumped out of the playing spot because Zion's Pelicans are, I believe, three games behind them. So like yeah. there's a little bit of there's a little bit of space, but it came down to the very end. Ben tried uh not Ben, Joel tried to pull a bam out of bio game winning, you know, turnaround jumper. Um, it obviously didn't go in. Forced overtime, five minutes of basketball. It was really gritty, but that really just secured Ben as a defensive player of the Easy. year. Two two charges in overtime alone, and I believe those were the only two charges he had in that entire game. And it was like you got the stops, I believe, they, and it, they tried to challenge it, and it was unsuccessful. The Spurs tried, so they lost their final timeout of the overtime, and. Just the defensive effort from him, and then of course at the very end you had Joel trying to do the same thing where he's trying to win the game, you know. Because Joel, that I mean, if you had to have the ball in anybody's hands, you would want it in Joel Embiid's hand mm-hmm. in his mid-range paint game where he can, if he wants to turn around, you know, take take their center one on one and try to do a shot over exactly. him. I mean, it twice it almost went in. He tried it twice, but we had a little extra room because Ben just grabbed a rebound. And he only had three points before that little tip in, you know, partial dunk. I'll call it a partial dunk. And he had five points, but he won the game. Mm-hmm. And now with Milwaukee beating Brooklyn today. The only um, time results matter over a process. Exactly. <laughs> and with our win, we are a half game ahead of Brooklyn in the conference yep. standings. And we play tomorrow. So if we win against uh, the Bulls, and hopefully we are recharged and refreshed uh, with this, because they're on a, a flight from Texas to Chicago right now, um, that they're good and they, um, you know, they do what they need to do and get a game advantage. Because what I, because if Milwaukee can beat them twice, hold their tiebreaker, you could possibly see Milwaukee as a two seed. 
and should be you know, wild, some, which would be absolutely insane. But still, you would keep you keep Milwaukee and Brooklyn in the two and three spot, regardless of what positioning they are. And if you can keep Brooklyn away from home, like mm-hmm. have the game seven in Milwaukee, um, if it has to go down there. But that series is going to be really fun if they both make it to the second round. But it's going to be really fun for the Sixers because they won't have to worry about touching those two until the Eastern Conference Finals, which is and what it's... everybody hopes would happen because you don't want to face, like, obviously tonight the Celtics lost, which is a really good thing. And then Miami bumped up to the sixth spot. So that gives you a little extra breathing room with the standings because if for some reason we did fall back to two and Brooklyn or Milwaukee jumped us, then we would kind of would be lucky with getting away with not playing Miami in the first round because I feel like that'd be our worst case scenario. I would rather play a, I would actually want to play Boston, try to get a revenge from last year or play, please. Um, and then, or play a Charlotte or Indiana and then play in the second round of New York or Atlanta, which is most likely be New York because their defense is going to destroy after what we did to Atlanta. New York can do the same thing practically. So plus, I mean, it's then, not like the Nets have the easiest schedule compared. Like the Sixers have the easiest schedule for the rest of the season in the league. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. But the Nets have the Bucks tomorrow or today. Uh, yeah, on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday. And then they play the Mavericks, who are right now a playoff team. Then they go to Denver, which everybody knows that elevation in Denver is an advantage. Um, so like three pretty tough games this week for the Nets and then they get the Bulls the Spurs the Bulls and the Cavaliers to end the season where the Sixers down the stretch here play the Bulls as you guys are listening to this today uh Wednesday they get the Rockets in Houston then they're home against the Pelicans and the Pistons then they're on the road against the Pacers and the Heat and then two at home against the Magic to end the season yeah if you get it I mean as long as Cole I mean, Anthony's could, not calling island shots, I feel pretty confident. I mean, I'm pretty. I mean, I'm. I'm not really concerned about my, my Orlando at all. Coming off of what we did to them in Orlando at the on New Year's, the day before New Year's, yeah. um, doing it at home is going to be a piece of cake because I think we always dominate them at home. Um, yeah, thank God it's that, not with Orlando. That, <laughs> yeah, I mean, do it. I mean. I would be very happy if we did what we did in Orlando in yeah. January or December three times. But history but, says we stink in Orlando. <laughs> yeah, but that was a good – I mean, that was when I thought the season was going to be good, when we actually won in Orlando, mm-hmm. a game in Orlando. But with that lineup, you can we can definitely win all these games. Yeah. I mean, the one game I would probably give a – I might give the advantage to the other team is Miami. I mean, depending on – because you're going to Miami – and that atmosphere, you have you could have Jimmy Butler in the lineup because when we played them, don't forget, they were depleted, kind of like how we were depleted when COVID struck uh, our team when mm-hmm. Seth Curry tested positive and everything, and they had like eight players themselves. And now you're gonna have you'll have Bam, you could you could have Bam back, you, you could have Jimmy back, you'll have Duncan Robinson, you have Gordon Dragic. I don't think he played Tyler Hero if he's not being a uh, a celebrity at the time um and yeah i mean you did get some you they did get rid of two defend uh good defenders and kelly olenic and uh avery bradley 
Um, but you did get Victor Oladipo, who I believe isn't playing still. Mm-hmm. I think he I think he played a couple of games and then he got hurt again. Yep. Because he's injury prone. Um, but if you get him, but that that team could be a scary playoff team again. I mean, you saw what they did in the bubble, and now the bubble is a totally different team that one shouldn't have won. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know, Denver shouldn't have gotten out of the first round. Right. You know, Utah Utah had a three one lead. The Clippers had a three one lead. Those teams could have definitely played each other in the second round. Um, and going to the conference finals, if it was at like Staples Center, of course, mm-hmm. or Utah. But you know, um, but Miami is a sneaky team. They're all they're they're always talking about them. And Jimmy, you know, we know Jimmy. Jimmy is a different breed. You know, we saw that when he was in Philly and we saw that last year in Miami and especially in the playoffs where they just obliterated every team they played. They swept, you know, they swept the Pacers. They took the Bucks in five. They took the Celtics in, I believe, five. And then they took they almost forced the game seven against the Lakers in the finals. So this playoffs are going to be fun. I'm really excited. We're only like three short weeks away. Um, the playing games are going to be fun. The teams coming up and down. Washington is a you know a team that's emerged in the last couple of weeks, beating some really good teams. You know, beating the Lakers with Anthony Davis on national TV. Who are now a seven seed in the East? Who are now a seven seed in the East? It's or I'm sorry, just... the West, not the East. Oh, the Lakers. Oh, yeah, the Lakers. The Wizards. I didn't know if things changed. Yeah, the Lakers are sliding with LeBron and AD back. Um. So they'll be fighting for their playoff lives, possibly, because Portland Pride, I think they just slid into their sixth spot. Um, yep. I mean, all these teams that were supposed to be, you know, one, two, three are kind of sliding down the board. You know, Lakers should have been a one seed. We're the Clippers. They're the fourth seed now. And you have Denver, who's a top three seed. But teams that are really fascinating – uh, even though as a Philly fan, we can't like them. The Utah Jazz are playing really good. The Phoenix Suns, man, like just how they've changed in a year. Monty Williams, you know, former Sixers coach, you know, just doing his thing. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, even though they beat us a couple weeks, like a week or two ago, they're they're a good team, uh, and they could they could possibly go far. Um, I was happy when I saw them take Utah's spot of one in the West. Because they actually kind of deserve it, and I kind of hate the Jazz because Rudy Gobert is a fraud. He's a clown. Um, he's a clown. He doesn't deserve Defensive Player of the Year being in the high, being a Heisman Trophy, and losing his defender on a game-winning layup. <laughs> in he's a bona fide to- scrub. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week. And it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. 
Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and that also solidified Ben Simmons as the defensive player of the Facts. year. But it's going to be fun. Hopefully these games, I mean, I would have liked to see blowout wins the rest of the way. You know, Atlanta, who's a playoff team, yep. we just downright smothered them. Even the game where they went 28-3 at the beginning of the game, and people thought the game was over then, and then we just blew them out by like 30, 20 or 30 points. It's just, you know, you just love to see that the offense is clicking now. They're getting into playoff mode. And you have vets in the room. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something that the Sixers really didn't have. Because last year you had you had Tobias, you had Ben, you had Joel, who had their own personal, you know. Right. Al, Al had some, I mean, I, won't, I, I don't like giving him a lot of credit. So, and who played at the... Jay Rich. And Josh, and he didn't really have that much playoff experience either because he they got he got smoked by the Sixers his first year in the playoffs. <laughs> um, but now, now you have championship winners or finals appearance players. You have Danny, you have Dwight. I mean, you have a three-time George champion. Hill. You have George Hill, who's been to the finals with LeBron. Like, you now have three voices in that locker room that can, you know, get everybody situated, just keep them calm, cool, and collected. And that could be a difference from when we played in the playoffs a couple years ago. Because I believe this team is definitely better than a couple years ago, that 51 team that went that faced the Raptors in seven games. Yep. Um, just with the experience and the growth of even the two our two stars. Eight, I mean, technically big three. I mean, this is a big three now. This is an underrated big three. It you you agree with me that this, this is an underrated big three. Because everybody talks about the duo and people are and it's an underrated duo too, because everyone's like, people people say they're top five, they'll say they're top ten, they'll say top fifteen, they'll have players above, they'll have teams above them. Mm-hmm. But you know, they're all they're you know they're all about you know oh they got to win the playoffs. I'm totally fine them like underestimating Tobias Harris though, because I think that's when he's at his best. And he's yeah he's been disrespected this whole year. He should have been an all star when they when they got called out for COVID for when Ben and Joel they should have called Tobias he should have gotten yeah. first flight to Atlanta, but you know that's not that didn't happen. But keep up. I mean, he's the second top scorer on the team mm-hmm. behind Joel. He can be if you're going and covering Ben and Joel and you're trying to go for. I mean, Danny can shoot corner shots like he has missed a corner three like all season, <laughs> right? You have you have Seth, who's now I think he's starting to emerge now. This last yep. few games, he's shot, gotten twenty plus points. Um, you have Dwight coming off the bench as a good rim protector. Korkmaz is shooting like fifty percent from beyond the arc. Ever since the All Star break, because people were hating on him because he probably thought he was going to get traded. Because <laughs> we were like, please get rid of him, and then he all, he's all of a sudden fire. Just, he's in the rotation Mati- for the playoffs. Mati- yeah, he's definitely is. Now he is. He wasn't before, in my opinion. He was like on the fence, but now he mm-hmm. is. Matisse is the X factor for this team. Yeah. He's he's flat out. There's no questions. Like, yes, you have you have caliber you have championship caliber players, you have championship winning players, 
you have finals appearance, you have George Hill. Yes, he makes a big difference. But your big defense, your the big thing is on defense because everybody's underestimating defense because you're seeing offense of like Milwaukee. Milwaukee has been having like almost 120 points a game. Brooklyn's not that far behind them. I think they're like first, they're like first and second since like the 90s with most scoring. It's insane, but they're really underestimating the asset of defense. Like you have Ben Simmons, who's going to be the defensive player of the year. If he's not the defensive player of the year, I don't know what's wrong with the voting, but you have Joel Embiid, who's like one of the best rim protectors in the league. Um, And then you have Matisse Stiebel, who's just like a spider. He's everywhere. Like he gets his heart. I think he has the most blocked jump shots in the league. Mm -hmm. Like he's just – on he's just something like any spe- and he's getting his offense going and one thing i was i was telling you before that if he can get his if he can be a catch and shoot three-pointer kind of like how danny green is because today i was watching the game and he shot he had i think he had five points the entire game but he got a three but he, they passed it out to him and he just shot it right away and it splashed in he was on the wing too. Like it wasn't yep. like a corner or like a straight, straight ahead lane shot. It was a, it was a wing shot. Like if he, if they get him, just you know, pass it out, you know, go around the perimeter, and he's the last person there in the corner, shoots it, gets it. You know, his, that's where he's like another Danny Green on this team. Mm-hmm. He's a younger Danny Green. Exactly. I mean, Danny, Danny Green is amazing. He's a great defender. And he's a great shooter. You know, that's how he's always been. But you have a taller, you have a lengthier, his wingspan in Matisse Thibel, that is like you have the taller, he's lengthier, he can he's starting to his defense is off the charts amazing. And now you're getting his offense kick working. Like next year he could be a scary player in this league. Yep. Like even as a backup player, even as a secondary player, he's leading the NBA in these defensive stats. If we want to get into defensive stats, Utah Jazz fans. Um, then like he, he, he's going to be on the all NBA first team, like the defense, like he's just that good for a second unit player that he should be a starter. Now, if he was, now if he was making his offense and he was shooting like 15 points a game, like he, he would be an unstoppable force and in the starting lineup and as the three, because if you, if for some reason you wanted to move Danny to the bench or Danny left because he is on an expiring contract, which I kind of hope that they do bring him back now because he's playing really well. But if he does leave, you can stick Matisse in the three spot because he can go between three and four, and he can be effective, and he can be scary. And if you have Ben Simmons, Matisse Thybul, Tobias Harris, whose defense has emerged this season, and you have Joel Embiid blocking the rim, that's a that's scary. That's a – Nobody would want to mess with the Sixers. Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait for the playoffs to start. It is pretty wild, though, that if the Sixers win out, they'll have over 50 wins this year. Yeah, they – I mean, this is a team that we've expected to do that. I mean, this year had 72 games instead of 82 games. They could be a 60-win game. Mm-hmm. This year, they, but we work with what we got. I kind of hope – I mean, 40s are good for this year. 
I mean, if we reach 50, because what do they have, 43 wins now? They have 43, they have eight games left, so if they win out, they'll have 51 wins on the year. So if they win if they win seven of the eight games, they'll have they 50. can get 50. They'll have 50 and, what's it, 24? 22. 50 and 22, that's, real, that's still good. Like, I'll take a fifth, I'll take a solid 50. I mean, if we get 51 and we went out, that's amazing. But mm-hmm. 50, 50 and 22 is still. A, I mean, that should Insane. be. It. I mean, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get the best record in the conference of the in the league, but you're gonna be up there pretty close. I yeah. mean, I think I think Utah and Phoenix have like 45 wins. They're both. Like, a, they can get, they're both 46 and 18. Yeah, they they're gonna get. They can get mid fifties. They're gonna get mid fifties if they went out. But yeah, it's yeah. getting fun. Playoff playoff time. Need the playoffs. <laughs> need the playoffs. We, we need we need some energy. I'm uh, in my playoff energy already. Yeah, one thousand percent. And uh, you know, I've been super out on the NFL just because it gives me headaches. The Eagles give me headaches, but the NFL draft it sucked me back in a little bit. Uh, it was an up and down draft for the Eagles, I'd say, but. They did the right thing. They didn't overthink the first round. And Devontae Smith is an eagle, Richie. And I truly could not be happier because it's not every day that you get the Heisman Trophy winner on your team. Can't even tell you the last Heisman Trophy winner that the Eagles had if they ever had one. I'm actually going to look that up while we're discussing all of this. But uh, the Heisman winner is typically not a wide receiver. And to get Devontae Smith on this team... um, I am just over the moon because the kid's a beast. Say what you want about his size. I don't care. He's a bona fide superstar in the making. He's going to be a monster in this offense. He knows Jalen Hurts from their time playing together at Alabama. They're back together. And I just think he's a he's one of those guys that's just a, a, a day one winner. And you got him on your team now. You jumped in front of the Giants to get him. And I couldn't be happier that Devontae Smith is an eagle. They finally got a wide receiver, like a draft a draft pick that's a wide receiver that's right. After years of, you know, you missed out on DJ Metcalf one, one year, and then you missed out on Justin Jefferson last year, who recently, I don't know if you saw this, he had an interview, and he wanted to be an eagle. He was ready to be an eagle. Yep, and now he's and he happy he's not. <laughs> And now he's happy that he's not. He was a Minnesota Viking. He was, I believe, he was second in offensive rookie of the year voting behind Justin Herbert, who was a stud. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, like, well, I'll get the size talk out of the way. It's stupid. That's it. Size talk. Like, I don't care. He's gonna gain weight. He's gonna with the strength and conditioning. If if it's any different with uh, Sirianni, um, or if it's the same, I don't really know. I don't care because. Size doesn't really matter. People are like, oh, size, size, size. He's small. He's a toothpick. Or who cares? Yep. You have quarterbacks that are like overweight and like walking to their draft, <laughs> walking to getting their jersey from Roger Goodell looking chubby as heck. Like Mac Jones. Um <laughs> but like he's gonna be a stud. It was it was a wavy draft in my like what you said. Um I'm just happy that we were able to screw the Giants twice in a matter of months. Yep. Um, because, you know, because I was talking to somebody during the draft and I was like, listen, if we didn't trade up, 
the Giants were going to go get Devontae Smith. Exactly. And we were going to be screwed. And we probably would have gotten, we might have gotten Tooney. We could have gotten somebody else. I'm not, we probably could have gotten Rashawn Slater. I don't know. Don't care. But, they're not Devontae Smith. But, but they're not, nobody's Devontae Smith. And if I believe if the Giants got Devontae Smith, that would have been a nasty offense because that's an offense that has Evan Ingram. You have Saquon Barkley returning. You just got Kenny Galladay. Sterling Shepard is an Eagles killer. Sterling Shepard, that's there. Darius Slayton. Mm -hmm. I mean, you do have your quarterback. um, This year is going to be the deciding factor. Yeah. For for good old um, can't run the football into the end zone, Daniel Jones um, tripping on his feet. Uh, This probably will be the deciding year if they draft a quarterback next year. Um, But – you know, we traded with the Cowboys, which I'm shocked. I liked them for 30 seconds. It always seems they're... like we make deals with the Cowboys on draft night now. Yeah, it's kind of. It is the weirdest thing. thing. But this one was a good one. I kind of. Yep. I like. I like this one. I like. I like what because obviously Devont. It's Devontae Smith, and he went top 10. He's a top 10 worthy pick. I know we were all worried that when we traded on a. Six I was 12. stunned. Miami did not take him. I was surprised too because I was talking. I was talking because I was talking to somebody, and I said, "Because since he was the the domino that had to fall." Yeah, that's kind if, of like where the draft almost started. You could make the argument that Atlanta, because you didn't know if they were going to take a quarterback or not, but of course they just plan on outscoring everybody because uh, yeah, they also hate and defense. Their defense. <laughs> and their defense. But the that pick at five with Cincinnati was going to determine: Hey, do you want to get Joe Burrow a weapon, or do you want to get him help? Or protection, uh, they didn't get him protection. So you got a uh, you have. I mean, Jamar Chase is a stud. Yeah, he's going to be a stud. They're going to be a top duo in this league eventually. If it's this year, if it's a couple years from now, um, but you did kind of they did kind of screw Drew Burrow out of protection. I know he probably he wanted Jamar Chase, but and I mean for Jamar everybody probably, everybody out there, like I'm not the biggest college football guy, but if Jamar Chase came out in the 2020 draft, he would have been the first wide receiver taken. He's that good. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, that was the dominant of fall because obviously they didn't take Penny Sewell, so he was going to – we didn't know how far he was going to fall. We hoped it wasn't far. But then that's where we were going to be like, okay, is Miami going to take Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith? Because the thing was, Jalen Waddle, before he got hurt last year, was a stud himself. Yeah, if he doesn't get hurt, I don't think Devontae Smith wins the Heisman. Well, they called they called him. I mean, they they replicate Jalen Waddle to Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. which you can definitely see in the film. It's definitely possible he has potential, and that's a really good weapon for Tua to go after because yeah. you'll have Devontae Parker, uh, you have Mike Gesicki, uh, you have Miles Gaskin, Preston Williams is, coming back this year. Definitely that 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 team is going to be another, that team is going to be really really uh, talented going into next year but after that then we were kind of we saw the defensive side come out i was surprised with the panthers getting jc horn because i know everybody on their mock drafts had the eagles getting jc horn but i think once they saw uh still out there because miami was going to be the thing yeah and 10 came and they were like okay we're definitely about to get screwed in 30 seconds because you know dallas is definitely taking a michael parsons because they needed, they need defense. Mm-hmm. Everybody and their mother knows that the Dallas Cowboys need defense. So we jumped ahead. 
We got Devontae Smith. We beat out them. We, we beat out the Giants. And surprisingly, they traded down. And they eventually got Tooney, but they traded with the Bears. They got Justin Fields. They got a haul from the Bears. <laughs> they got a haul from the Bears. But I'm just excited. That, like, Devontae Smith last year alone, 117 catches for 1,856 yards and 23 touchdowns. He played 54 games. Championship performance. 54 games in four seasons. Like, I have no concern about his size. He's going to be a monster. And the fact that he's played with Jalen Hurts, knows how Jalen Hurts plays, that excites me as well. And that seemed to have happened, like, a ton in this draft. Like, Jamar Chase is reunited with Burrow. Jalen Waddle reunited with Tua. And Devontae Smith reunited with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, it's it's his speed, it's his agility, it's his way to reach for the ball in like any situation, contested, uncontested. He makes Odell type catches. He makes yeah, he's he's a mix of a lot of really good wide receivers. If he's if he's a Julio, if he's a OBJ, um, but if he's a if he's a smidge Tyree Kill, he's he's he could be a lot of receivers mixed into one, but he. What he's obviously going to be very loved here. He's already loved already. He's been basically everywhere in Philly, probably besides getting a cheesesteak. Rang the bell um, with the Sixers. He rang the bell, which everybody loved. He was at the game court side with Daryl, you know, and fist Jaylen, bump Joel. Know. It's just so it's so good seeing a pick that everybody actually loves in recent years, because you know, in two thousand was it. 2019 we got Andre Dillard he didn't really even play and then last year we got Jalen Rager who that was a COVID year so people weren't really gonna give him a reception he like should have had as a first round pick but now you see a different vibe this year with Devontae Smith because this is a a anonymous like unanimous like everybody wanted this guy and like his pro comp is Marvin Harrison which if Devontae Smith can be Marvin Harrison, that's a Hall of Fame career. So, like, I'm so pumped. I just hope they give him a good number because I don't know about you. I hate this idea of, like, the single-digit wide receiver numbers. And Well, apparently they already gave him his number. It could be six. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> because, well, it's more – so the number thing, I don't know if you've covered it recently, but the number thing is all right if the – like, the – Single digits are for offensive players, but like I love Darius Slay, mm-hmm. love Darius. He's a he's a heck of a player, but a defensive go- player going to two from twenty four to two, it's just that's where Tom Brady's kind of like in the mess right now. I, it's I hate like it. it's so like it's so college and like I just, it's, it's very it's very college. It's because but like college of, players, you have like a hundred guys on a roster, so you got to double up on numbers, and you got to have a bunch of numbers. Like the NFL, you have enough numbers to vary around and and give them out. I I hate the whole thing, and like people are like, oh, you're a Debbie Downer. It's like no, I I just like aesthetically pleasing things, and single digit offensive player numbers outside of a quarterback stinks, and single digit defensive numbers stink. I can kind of, I can kind of handle Devontae's number. I, I mean, we like Devontae. Devontae can just get away with anything at the I moment. Wish, I wish they gave he him could number be, he 10. He could be number one. I don't care. He, uh, number 10. I mean, number 10 is Deshaun. It's Deshaun, number. but like, he would have looked so good in number 10. See, it's like 10 is Deshaun. 11 was Wentz. Nobody wants to take Wentz. It's a number. 
he could be a 14 or a 13 he or would, even he 16. Would, he would look good in 11. That would have been such a slap in the face See, to Carson Wentz. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 would have been, that would have been a really bad slap in the face. Because 18, that's like. man, if he could steal 18 from Rager. <laughs> We all know the traditional Big Four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they're gonna do that because I think they gave him his jersey and it said six on it at his yeah, like introduction. That stinks. Like Trevor, like Trevor Lawrence, before he even got to Jacksonville, he had his number in sixteen. Like, <laughs> like he had number he six had the jersey is, made and everything. Six is like not even a quarterback number. Six is like a punter number. Yeah, yeah, kicker number because Jake Elliott is what four four. Five's retired. Cam Johnson is what? I don't know. Well, he's not even on the team anymore. Nate Sudfeld was... Oh, he's not? No, he's with the Texans. I don't even know who the Eagles punter is right now. Well, they should have drafted that Ohio State guy. That Dre something. That guy that was on Pat's Mm -hmm. Pat's show. But, um, yeah, because seven was Sudfeld. Nine is Foles. Nobody's going to take that number. I'm surprised that number isn't even... I'm surprised that's not even retired at all yet. Like yeah. as soon as he left, unless he comes back, which we know we don't know, he might. Because <laughs> that quarterback room in Chicago is kind of full right now. Because mm-hmm. you have Andy Dalton, who they said was the quarterback one, and now you have Justin Fields. Well, now Alshon's and, gone. Devontae would have looked good at seventeen. Fuck, yeah. man, I hate the single digit shit. Get rid let's of just it. Give him, let's just give him ninety nine. <laughs> right, like just give him oh, a wait, random. Fletch, that, isn't that Fletch's number? No, that's not no. Was, I don't know if anybody's ninety nine. Oh no, ninety nine's retired. Jerome Brown. Oh, well, can we? We can give a three digit number. <laughs> we can start uh, this. Yeah, I, I hate the single digits, but I love Devonte being here. I'm excited for him. Uh, I think he's going to be a monster. And then they went back to the Alabama pool and this was again this was the down of the draft and I'm not down on Landon Dickerson as a player they take him number 37 he's an interior offensive lineman from Alabama he just has a ton of injury issues he's had three season ending injuries he's coming off an ACL injury right now um I feel like they if they wanted to draft him they could have gotten him later in the draft and this is a guy that, like, if he if he stays healthy, it's a home run type of pick. But he's got durability issues, and it's not really a position of need for the Eagles in terms of, like, needing to draft really high for an offensive lineman. Like, if, if Sewell fell to them, yes, you take him because he's a monster. But, like, taking Landon Dickerson at pick 37, we have so many other needs when so many monster players were on the board. Like, Asante Samuel Jr. was on the board. The linebacker from Notre Dame was on the board. Uh, a ton of guys were available at positions of need that were very, like, rock star type players. 
And to take Landon Dickerson was just such a, a deflating pick from the Devontae Smith pick. Um, but if he pans out and can stay healthy, it might work out, especially if Jason Kelsey retires in the next couple of years. Well, I mean, he does fit the bill, right? Uh, with injured offensive linemen, yep. you know. Come on yeah, in. He, 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 come on. If you're hurt, you know, Howie will still take it because he thinks you're good, and then, but you're hurt, you know. I mean, especially after this year, you know, you had you had everybody and their mother on the offensive line hurt. You had, I mean, you started with Brandon Brandon Brooks, and then you had Lane Johnson, and then left tackle was just a mess all Ugh. year. Samulo was out, and I think Kelsey barely. I think he Kelsey got hurt, but played and like a whole bunch. But of, he still played. Yeah. He, but he's he's a, he's built different, you know. Yeah. But I definitely could have seen like he's a guard center, even though they said he's kind of flexible. He can kind of go all over the place. I personally, if they wanted to take an offensive lineman, I would have definitely had them take Tevin Jenkins, uh, that the tackle from OSU. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was left or right, but he probably could have been flexible. He's he was a really good tackle. But yeah, you had defensive players. Uh Sante Samuel. Like Jeff Stoutland uh, is still here too, and he's a guy that knows how to develop offensive linemen. Like, I just don't understand this pick this early. Yeah. I mean, you had a Wusu still out there. He he ended up falling to like the third round. He went to the Browns. That's yeah. a steal. And the Browns did really good on the defensive side of the ball yeah. in this draft. But but a question for you would be out of all the out of the picks that are not Devontae Smith and let's just say Landon Dickerson for now. So from three onward, who do you think is the sleeper pick and why that we've taken? Um I re- like I know a lot of people are up and down about him. I love I love the Milton Williams pick in round yeah. three. I think he's gonna be a monster and the Eagles need a defensive tackle depth. Um, you know, a lot of people just underrate him because he went to Louisiana Tech, but yeah. I I think he's gonna be very good. But I really love Zach McPherson, the corner yeah. from Texas Tech. Like he gives me Jalen Mills vibes in terms of like just the swagger and confidence he has. Uh, he was the he graded out as the fourth best zone coverage corner in this draft behind like three first rounders, and you got him in round four. Um. I think he can play all over, and he he's a guy that can play inside. He can play outside, and I think he's going to challenge Avante Maddox in, in camp. I think he's going to challenge everybody in camp, and he's 5'11", 196 pounds. Uh, he was first-team All-Big 12 in 2020 at four interceptions, 10 uh, passes defended, and he, I think he's going to be very good. I'm excited about him big time. And then we went we went in the family and drafted Fletcher Cox's cousin Kenneth Gainwell, who likes to go by Kenny. So we got Kenny G on the team. Um, he grew up an uh, Eagles Kenny fan. Uh, he he loved and idolized Darren Sproles, Michael Vick. He he just screams Eagles player. Um, I like Kenny Gainwell a lot. I think he's you know Boston Scott's great, but he's kind of like a third string running back in a sense that like you can't have him out there all the time because he's kind of a one trick pony. There's the viral video after he got drafted. Uh Gainwell's only five foot eight and two hundred and one pounds, but he, he has that pass block on Micah Parsons that like put him to sleep. And <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> the fact that he's gonna have more opportunities to do that is very exciting. 
Um, but I think those three middle picks, you know, outside of Devonte and uh, Landon Dickerson, like Milton Williams, Zach McPherson, and Kenneth Gainwell, if those three guys can make like day one contributions and be part of the game plan, be suited up for game days, that's a win for this team. Yeah, I think the Ken. Yeah, Kenny's gonna have to face Micah. Yeah, two times a year now. Yeah. Uh, so that's gonna be a a fun one for him. He's probably gonna have so much energy for those games. But I kind of I'm with you with uh, Milton with the defensive tackle because he is a Louisiana State player. You know, he's not one of these big massive schools that you would mm-hmm. think that these guys would be coming from. Um, you know, everyone was like, "Oh my goodness, he's probably." terrible you know how and people freaked him. out because we traded back and we traded back and we got him and then they were like he's how he screwed us again the whole fist bump kinda, video but, yeah it's that that thing was yeah that was something else but i mean you showed me something the other day it had comparisons to like aaron donald and yeah. you're you're gonna have and if milton and if he's lining up next to fletcher cox and like Brandon Graham and, and possibly Javon Garrett Hargrave, Burnett. Javon Hargrave, yeah. You have him. You have them. You have Hargrave in the middle as a nose tackle, and then you have Cox and Milton. I don't know his last name for sure. Um, you have them lined up, and then you have Brandon and Derek Barnett coming out off the edge. Like that's a, that's. I mean, they're always a, that's always a scary front. You know, the Eagles' front is always, you know going after that quarterback um of course last year we didn't play that well on the defensive side i mean we we were still a top defensive front in the league but him having the capabilities and the potential that he has coming out of a school like louisiana tech and i don't know how louisiana tech ever even is i'm just saying it's just he i'm excited to see how he is um he has pro comps to aaron donald taven bryan and geno atkins like yeah, I, I sign me up for that. Yeah, anything with Aaron Donald. If somebody's compared to Aaron Donald, you know he's a he's a Hall of Famer already. Yeah. defensive defensive player of the year, um, reigning one actually. Um, but yeah, he's the one. And I mean, Zach McPherson is could be a sleeper as well. Mm-hmm. Like those picks that you did say. Um, I'm curious to see how the linebacker from. Um, LSU is. I'm intrigued by turned, him. The the safety that turned into a linebacker because we didn't we didn't draft Jabril Cox and the Cowboys ended up getting Jabril Cox. They got a lot of good defensive players this draft. Um, you know they had Mike. They got Micah Parsons. Jabril Cox you know. is better than Micah Parsons, though. Let it be known. Yeah. Uh, so, and if you have those two lined up next to each other, that's going to be. Scary. I like Jacoby but, Stevens, though. The guy yeah. we got. Safety, turn, linebacker, can kind of play both. I think he has a chance to be like very good in like nickel situations for the Eagles. You're you're going to see him be, be very flexible in uh, the defensive schemes because you'll see him probably move down. You'll probably see him move down into the linebacker spot, but then you'll probably see him move back into that nickel safety spot also you're going to see him be a flexible player probably for Sirianni uh, it's going to be fascinating that if they actually do pull that off um, but 
the defense has a couple improvements. Don't forget, we also have Anthony Harris that we got. We got Eric Wilson Jr. Uh, from the Vikings. Rodney McLeod's um, back. Rodney McLeod. You have Darius Slay still back there. Kayvon Wallace. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, K- Kayvon Wallace. That's a guy I'm excited to see because I feel like we didn't see him at all last year. Mm-hmm. He was a player that was so – he's from Clemson. Yep. And for people who have never seen this guy before, because I feel like I never saw him ever he's a beast. Uh, playing because he was always inactive or he just never got his opportunity with Doug Peterson. But I think you're definitely going to see him shine this year. I think definitely has a chip on his shoulder. Um, Avante Maddox is going to definitely have his money cut out for him uh, with Zach uh, with that cornerback uh, cornerback spot. And hopefully that nickel Robbie Coleman guy is gone. Oh, he's gone. He he's a free okay. agent. He was a one year deal. Thank God, nickel Robbie Coleman's gone because he stunk. If anybody's better than nickel Robbie Coleman and Nathan Jerry, you know, both I'm gone. satisfied. Yeah, if both Jacoby the- Stevens can be better than Nate Gary, I will be doing backflips down Broad Street. Yeah, if he can actually run after a player, <laughs> not just sit there like he did Chase Claypool. Exactly. Three times. I, I'm very intrigued by the Jacoby Stevens pick. If he can make an impact on special teams and, and make moves as like a safety linebacker hybrid, um, I'm very excited for that. Patrick Johnson coming out of Tulane is an interesting pick. I don't know how much we'll see from him. Um, he's more like a 3-4 outside linebacker, so I don't know how they're going to play him. Uh, and then Teron Jackson, the defensive end from Coastal Carolina, I like him a lot. I watched some of his highlight tapes. He's a bit small for a defensive end. He's only 6'2", 254 pounds, but like he was an All-American last season. He had eight and a half sacks uh, last year, and he had 18 and a half sacks over the last two seasons at Coastal Carolina. Um, you know, you still have Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, and Josh Sweat there, but if you can develop Teron Jackson into a Josh Sweat type, Obviously, Josh Sweat was a better prospect coming out of college, but if you can develop him and get him into being a rotational defensive end for this team, that's super exciting to get him at pick 191. Uh, and then Marlon uh, Tui Pelotu, the D-tackle from USC. That dude is just like, he's like a freaking cork in the middle of a defense. Like, Buddy is unbelievable. He, uh, according to The Athletic, like, he was projected as like the number three defensive tackle in the draft and like the number 69 overall player, like second, third round grade on him. Uh, he's a, he's a, just a plug. The only issue is like, he doesn't pass rush well, but like he stuffs the run. And if he can get to the quarterback, it's a wrap. Like if he develops, that could end up being like the steal of the draft for the Eagles, getting him in round six. It's going to be very fascinating to see, with especially with the new regime of the Sirianni, the Sirianni era, how they develop and how they use their draft picks. Because I'm thinking, because I'm still thinking about last year and like how their draft picks were used. Because you had you had uh, Kayvon Wallace, you had Jalen Rager, you had John Hightower, Quez Watkins, uh, Jalen Hurts, Quez Watkins, Jalen Hurts. Obviously, we know how Jalen Hurts was. He played the last. He started the last four games of the season. Uh, Jalen Rager didn't really, but Jalen Rager really. I mean, he was hurt 
for a lot of the season, but he never really got used until Jalen got in or Hertz got into the um, starting lineup, and he was really going after that as his top receiver. Quez Watkins was a really good uh, – he had some really good plays. John Hightower was kind of there. Um, Kayvon Wallace, again, like I said earlier, I don't even know if he even played. Like, yeah, it was very know, few plays outside of special teams. Yeah. But like, yeah, in actual in actual defensive mm-hmm. work with an offense and not just like a special teams like kicker and whatnot. So it's gonna be really interesting to see how these picks work if they make the team. Obviously with these late round picks and um you know, how if they pick up any unrestricted uh undrafted free agents which they did they got a really good wide receiver from florida and he has a legit shot to make this team which was really good because this florida that florida team was really good last year trevin grimes uh, six trevin foot grimes. four 218 pounds don't know how he didn't get drafted signs as an undrafted free agent with the eagles he could legit be a weapon in this offense. Like if he makes this team, it could legit be your top four receivers being Devonte Smith, Trevin Grimes, Travis Fulgham, Jalen Rager. Definitely. Yeah. And even if you want to slide a five, a five in there, Quez Watkins. Yeah, for sure. Listen so to this. He had five young, five young wide receivers. Like that's really good. His stats, Trevin Grimes are Stupid for him to go undrafted. Um, his Florida career, 97 receptions, 1,444 yards, and 14 touchdowns. He had 30, he had 38 receptions in 2020 for 589 yards and nine touchdowns. He, he could definitely, with that potential, he could definitely be the steal of the undrafted. Easy. Uh, of the uh, undrafted players, because there's obviously – a lot and players pick up. I mean, teams pick up like five to ten undrafted free agents to, mm-hmm. for tryouts, and you know. Um, but I mean, one interesting thing was I don't know if you're surprised that Zach Ertz is still on the team. Thank goodness. Like I know people are still talking about like, do they trade him now? You know, when do they trade him? I hope Zach Ertz is here. Like, he's done so much for this city. He's done so much for this team that like. If he wants to be here, Zach Ertz should be here. Yeah, I agree. He's, I mean, he's such a good talent. Last year, obviously, he did not have a good year, but like he is a top. He could. He is easily one of the top tight ends in this league. With you know, you've. I mean, we've seen it before. He's been with Gronk. He's been with Kelsey Kittle, like Darren Waller. He can definitely beat. He is definitely a top five receiver. Last year, obviously, things were different, you know. Um, just we don't want to go into it because it was mm-hmm. bad. But hopefully they do make amends, whether if it's, you know, one more year or finishing out his contract or giving him the extension he wants because he does want to be in Philly. You know, that's uh, that was his hope. And, you know, that's why everybody, every player so busy, you play for one team, you play for one franchise forever. Uh, but I mean, hopefully things get patched up. We haven't heard anything, 
all we've heard was rumors that mm -hmm. he could be traded during the draft. Um, but obviously he wasn't really no stars or good big players were mm -hmm. traded. Yeah. I don't think I, any player really was traded. There wasn't. Cause I remember last year, like we remember Trent Williams got traded mm -hmm. in day three. So, but overall I'm giving the Eagles draft a B minus. Yeah. It's I like the potential of some of the later round guys. Like I said, the Dickerson pick is suspect. But Devontae Smith is like, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, that 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 just made it a whole lot. That's what's keeping it a B minus. Yeah, without Devontae such, Smith, it's like a C minus. That's like a C. It's a he's an A plus plus, you know, draft pick. But he's keeping the rest of the picks afloat, just not because we don't have we not like we don't have faith in them. Because we definitely think they have potential, but we just have to see it to believe it. Mm -hmm. you know? And there were just I other kinda... players available at the time when some of them were picked that yeah. would have fit this team better. Howie pulled Howie. Yep. You know, but it's nothing now. But I definitely agree. It's, I, I would probably go more for like a C plus, a C. Um, but that could change at the end of the season. If these guys are studs, like, like we could say. But who do you think had the best draft? Best draft. Um, I really like what the Chargers did. I know yeah, a lot of people too. don't have them as like their top, you know, winners of the draft, but like them getting Slater and Asante Samuel Jr. back to back, like just amazing. The Browns had a great draft. The Lions had a phenomenal draft. The Lions drafted the the number one overall pick of the all-name team of 2021, drafting wide receiver Amon Ross St. James. What a name. Uh, that is, that is and nice. as much as it sucks, the Giants, the Washington football team, and Dallas had great drafts. Yeah. every I felt like this draft, especially like in the first round, because you definitely have teams in like the first round that do like curveballs. Eagles being one of those teams that typically throws a curveball, but you didn't really see that. You really saw players – where you saw teams get players that actually fitted what mm -hmm. they needed. And like that, I feel like every fan was satisfied with, because obviously the top 10 picks every, like, you know, Broncos needed a defensive player. You know, Cowboys needed defensive help. Like the Jaguars needed a quarterback. They got Trevor Lawrence, you know, I mean, I didn't, I don't know what the heck the Falcons wanted. They probably could have went more defensive, but they ended up getting, you know, Kyle Pitts, which makes their offense even crazier average they'll probably average like 40 points a game and then give away like 50 points a yeah. game next year um so but it's gonna be this year is definitely gonna be interesting with these newer picks these first second rounders and even these later round picks because they definitely make their mark and it's a crazy to see how many of these later round picks actually make a footprint mm -hmm. in the league compared to first round second round third round picks Totally. Those third day picks are crazy. Um, so now, thankfully, draft Twitter can move to the side, and, and uh, we don't have to worry about draft Twitter for another year. But another NFL draft in the books. Shout out to the Fourth and Goal Boys for throwing down for the extremaganza that they had on our Twitch channel. Uh, they did like six and a half, seven hours of streaming of the NFL draft um, for their first like big production for the NFL draft. So make sure you guys check out that video 
at twitch.tv slash underground sports PHI should be up for like the next two weeks. And, uh, make sure you guys follow us on social media, stay up to date with everything we're doing in the underground at underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Richie on Twitter at Richie Riv 23. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com for all of our written content. And of course, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know how you feel about the Eagles uh, draft overall, how you feel about the Devontae Smith pick, how you're feeling about the Sixers as the playoffs creep up closer, and how badly you want to relegate Major League Baseball umpires to the minor leagues because they absolutely stink. And uh, five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too. We know they're five stars. Check out all of our podcasts across the network. Uh, They're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud for this podcast, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, and the newly branded Odyssey app, formerly Radio.com. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. And uh, we'll be back on Wednesday night breaking down anything else that goes crazy with these MLB umps talking more about this Eagles draft class, the Sixers, uh, and everything else in between. And, oh, just a reminder, the Flyers stink. Uh, and we'll be back Wednesday, twitch.tv slash PHI. Follow the channel so you know when we go live and you don't miss a single second of the action. And, of course, this podcast would not be possible without our awesome sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Douche Arms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And, of course, our homies at Tomahawk Shades, Manscaped, and Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. All three websites, same promo code, TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP. You get 25% off your purchase uh, at checkout, TomahawkShades.com. Manscaped.com, you get 20% off free shipping and a big old thank you from your balls with promo code USP. And Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, get 10% off the one liter bottles of vodka at statesidevodka.com with promo code USP. Must be 21 or older to purchase. And of course, guys, please drink responsibly. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 327. Welcome to Philly Devontae Smith. For Richie, I'm KB. We are signing off. Peace. Peace.